Welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Today is our special guest day, where we will hear from a friend of the ministry who will share their insight and stories on truth in this chaotic world. And now your host, Richard Case. Well, good morning, everybody. This is uh, Guest Thursday, and uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, another New Hampshire guest. Another one. There's new, they're, they're all over the place. New Hampshire's just <laughs> hopping, I tell you. <laughs> uh, Teresa is from, uh, where, where are you uh, located? Where's your, where's your place located? Summersworth, New Hampshire. She's a, you can tell she's a New Hampshire. She's a, you can get that, get that lingo. Um, uh, Teresa is the uh, leader uh, and overseer of a wonderful ministry called uh, Lydia's House of Hope. And she'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, the hope that they bring. And uh, that's why it's even uh, the full name of it. And we're just so happy to, to have you. We're very excited to hear about this great story and all that you're up to and, and how uh, Living Waters interacted with you and brought abiding and how exciting mm-hmm. that's been, you know, for us to be part of that. And uh, it's just, uh, we, you know, Kathy and I are talking a lot about the covenant and mm-hmm. uh, we are blessed to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were able to uh, bless you, you blessed us, but now you've, you're, you're blessing all these people and they're, and they're starting yes. to, you know, really, uh, uh, take it and run with it. So we are so excited to hear about you. First of all, uh, why don't you share with the audience, uh, how did you come to know Christ? What? How did that transpire for you? Well, I grew up in Boston, and my mother would take us to the uh, uh, Cities of Lebanon, which is a Lebanese Catholic church. Mm. And one day she decided to take us to a um, a different church, and they talked about Jesus. And I was probably 14 at that time and I accepted Jesus in my heart but I didn't live for the Lord and then when I totally ruined my life is when I rededicated my life to the Lord gave him all of my heart and I've been living for him ever since then so uh, it's my everything now how old were you then when you did that rededicated uh, I was let's see 1920 21 21 mm, yep. wow so a youngster yep. and uh, were, youngster. were you uh, yeah. living in uh, Boston the whole time uh, we lived in Boston for the longest time and then we lived in Arizona for a little while my mom and dad took us out there then when we came back to Boston I met my husband in the church um, I still we've been married 40 years and I still remember the first day I saw him and I thought wow that man is so good looking and he was in the choir. <laughs> so uh, we met at church. Uh, we got married at, I was 19 when we got married. We have three children and mm-hmm. uh, lived in Massachusetts. And then we moved up here to New Hampshire, uh, to Portsmouth when, oh, probably like 35 years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. so what brought you to Portsmouth to that area? work for my husband because he went from a truck driver to one of the most incredible carpenters he's so detailed Mm. 
but uh, he got into uh, finished carpentry and he's he's so amazing but we came up here for that and uh, when we came up here we moved up here and and I I thought it was him I thought he was the bad guy and and I didn't love him anymore and we were like we got off track with our marriage and we were separated and we were going through this huge separation and we were both marrying uh, another person and God really intervened mm. I mean I was losing everything and it wasn't until I was losing everything that I finally just gave myself over to God and he saved my life he saved my marriage he mm. saved my freedom he saved everything that I am here today and I have my three children I have my grandbaby I have I just I just love what God has done what he continues to do so this is so good Mm. What a beautiful story! That's wow. Great. Now, is your are your parents from Lebanon? So my sister and Jigo are from Lebanon originally, and we grew up cleaning their house. All I remember is, you know, you ever see my big fat Greek wedding? Yes. Yes. Well, you know the plastic <laughs> on the couch that yep, was that. Yep. Everybody sat on the couch <laughs> in the summertime, and you're gonna clean the bathroom, you're gonna clean the kitchen, and you are gonna clean the bedrooms. And then we all sat on that plastic couch until it was time to get up and go clean. <laughs> but and. This is the beautiful thing. My jiggo had a grape leaf vine. I mean, I grew up with grape leaf vines because we make real grape leaves. So oh, wow. we always loved the grape leaf vine. So my jiggo, we would go out there and we would pick them, we would boil them, we would cut them, we would freeze them for the big events. So uh, my sister and jiggo were originally from Lebanon. My mom and dad are Boston. I mean, we grew up in um, my sister and Jiddo owned the Red Fez, which was a Lebanese restaurant. And that's where we grew up in the kitchen cooking. Mm. So food is love to our family. I mean, we grew up with a lot of food. So, uh, yeah. Are you a uh, pretty good cook? I love to cook. I love to eat. You and I both. <laughs> I love to cook. So when me and my husband got married, I love cooking. Food is love to me, and I love cooking for people. I love baking. And my husband would go to work with homemade cookies every single day. He loved, oh, wow. I mean, I would make, there would be like five in the morning before the kids would go to school, toes would go to work, and I would make cookies because everyone needed cookies to go to work and go to school with. So everything was homemade. And every morning I just had to make, it just was my, my love language. That's your love language, yeah. yeah. And I loved it. So... Uh, that was what I did with the kids growing up. They always smelt food, you know, chicken parmesan. Now, why do you have to bang the chicken at six in the morning? <laughs> well, so you can eat dinner at night. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your favorite dish that you make besides cookies? <clears throat> well, it's probably a toss-up between stuffed cabbage and stuffed grape leaves, and chicken parmesan, stuffed shells, chicken cacciatore. Ooh. I mean. Okay, I'm coming yeah. over for dinner tonight. I'm just saying. <laughs> I love cooking, but I also, at first I used to, I, when I would bake my husband and the kids cookies, I never ate them. I only baked them. Mm. So it wasn't until lately that now I eat them because the girls make cookies and it's like, I have to eat them because <laughs> the food is love to them. So you gotta... <laughs> Well, and you actually in, in Lydia's house of hope, you yeah. actually do a lot with equipping those girls in terms of cooking and that sort of thing yes. as well, even just life yes. skills, correct? Absolutely. So we 
quickly realized these women learn that food comes from a can. So even though in the, so I was, you know, worked in the shelters for years and they would, we would have churches come with these big meals, big homemade meals, but these girls, because there, there was no mandatory anything, they would open up a can of raviolis, place it in front of their child and have them eat it. And we working at the shelters couldn't do anything about that. And I thought, what a waste, what a waste. Mm. So here, that's why they learn food comes from the ground. And then they mm -hmm. learn to not only grow the ground, talk about abiding the seeds that the girls are growing and they plant in the ground. And then they learn to take that food and cook with it. I'll tell you, we have the best, you have to come for salsa. It's so good, right from the garden. And they just oh. learn to cook. We have a beautiful commercial kitchen that was donated by local Cocos mm -hmm. and the girls cook all the time. They're so good. They're just, they just are so good. So they learn. When they come in here, they haven't cooked even for one person, but then they have right. to learn, you have to cook for 20. Right. Cook for 20. <laughs> <So everybody laughs> cooking. And we all, everybody sits at the table and eats real dishes, real silverware, real glasses. That's kind of a lost art in the world because we're so busy. We're always going, 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 going. But here it's like, okay, five o'clock, everybody sits down, breathe. What's your high, what's your low? Because there was so many lows, we said, okay, forget the low. What's your high? <laughs> and then we eat. So they 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 learn family. They learn reality. Yeah. They learn, you know, to slow yes. down. Yeah, that's right. beautiful. We'll talk more about yeah. that. So how? Tell us your uh, uh, kind of career uh, path of you know you, you were married, went to Portsmouth. Mm -hmm. um, how did you? What kind of things did you do, and then what led you to get involved with uh, Lydia's House of Hope, and then now you're the you're the, the big cheese of that. So how did, how did all that happen? <laughs> uh, so I grew up in Boston. I was the bookkeeper, a bookkeeper. And I worked at the John Hancock on the 39th floor. And I, I loved that job. But I would always walk past people that were homeless. And so I would give them my lunch and go right to work. I never looked them in the eyes and saw them as human beings. I saw them as they're homeless, mm -hmm. is some food, and go to work. Uh, once I was done, uh, I had my, I was pregnant with my first son, um, young man, Dave, and uh, I stopped working after a while. But one day while I was on the train coming home, we, I was sitting on the train and I, it was, I was the only one sitting at the seat and I had my hot cocoa and I had the newspaper. I was on my way home. And all of a sudden this disheveled homeless woman came on the train. And as she came on the train, she came walking towards me. And I thought, God, please don't let her sit next to me. Please don't let her sit next to me. Because if she sits next to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Don't let her sit next to me. Well, of course, God had her sit right next to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he, said, he said, oh, yeah? She sat next to me. The thing is, it's in the middle of winter. She has no jacket on. She's disheveled. Mm -hmm. She sits next to me. The... It was when her body touched my body and her body started shaking. And I thought, mm. my God, she's cold. She became human. She became real. Mm. Thought, Not just another statistic suddenly, yeah. it's a real person. Yeah. She's human, wow. So I took off my jacket and I gave it to her and she jumped up off the seat and all the way off the train, she thanked me all the way off the train. And I thought, it's just a jacket. I mean, I have three more at home. It's just a jacket. 
but she thanked me and I thought, God, I don't know what was more powerful to me. The fact that her body touched mine and it made her real, made her human. Or the fact that she thanked me for something that was so small all the way off the train. Mm -hmm. And ever since that day, it's so God planted a seed that lay dormant for years. I had to like go through my, mm -hmm. my desert season of doing what I wanted, when I wanted and how I wanted until I was down to nothing. And, but that day always stayed with me. I will mm -hmm. never forget that woman. I really believe she was an angel and mm -hmm. really just made such an impact on my life at that point. And then I, you know, lived my life, did what I wanted until uh, giving my life back to God. But I will never forget that moment in time, which is why after uh, uh, working at John Hancock as a bookkeeper, uh, working at one of the things I would get so angry. I didn't realize how angry I got, but I'm have like this supernatural strength. And so I would work at this nightclub because I would bounce because they couldn't, the men could not touch the women, but I could. And so if they mm. needed to take someone out, I would have to interesting. do it. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. I really like that job. So, <laughs> She's so, spicy. Right? So, you, so you've been, you've been an accountant and a bouncer. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. and a few other things in between. But, yeah, okay. Uh, but bouncing, what en what ended up happening, it was so beautiful because the owners of the nightclub, it was in Portsmouth, and I I just loved. There was just this like this. I loved to fight. There was just this fighter inside of me, and it never was directed towards fighting for the kingdom of God. It was always mm -hmm. directed towards fighting in the natural fighting in the world and fighting make me angry i'm gonna i'm gonna do something that you won't like i'm gonna hurt you so and we grew up in high pack high we we didn't graduate with a's we graduated with c's because there was always um fights there was always blacks against the whites cafeteria all the blacks sat on one side all the whites sat on the other all somebody had to do was say riot and then there was this big brawl we had bounces at the doorways and in the bathroom and I mean, it was just a big thing. And, and so we grew up fighting. Um, hmm. And it wasn't until I got really saved where I really gave my heart to God that maybe I shouldn't be fighting people. Maybe I shouldn't. Hmm. You know, because I was, you know, I, I had such an anger and, and I would fight people. And God had to kind of renew my mind and restore me and deliver me and help me understand this righteous anger. His righteousness mm. is anger towards injustice in the world yeah and it is the injustices that brought us here that's a game changer yeah 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 and so uh you were uh, uh doing that and what, what how did you wind up at at lydia's house there uh in terms of involved with that when when did that transpire for you well, i'm glad you asked it took quite a while so my husband and i and my three kids I was in the church I did everything in the church I was the head of the host department I was head of the clean I started in the church when I really got saved I started working in the bathroom just put me on the cleaning ministry I don't care where you put me <laughs> I just want to serve God I don't care what I'm doing so I started by cleaning the bathroom and then I went into the host ministry because I love food and, and we would make all these big meals and then uh, the host department uh, the children's church because I love kids and then the uh, praise team because my husband plays the guitar mm. and I play the congas 
Oh, fun. I love playing with girls. So they had to build me my own stage because I just got moved to life. <laughs> so, hey, guess, guess what? The, uh, I love it. <laughs> when I was uh, five years old, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I was musical, and they taught me uh, to play an, uh, an accordion, the full, you know, the full oh. thing. And yeah. <laughs> Kathy, at, at five years old, uh, I every Saturday morning, I <laughs> I played the accordion on a radio program. Oh no! Wow! And it was, uh, it was Teresa little, Rich has like a thousand lives. Little, there little, are so little, many little things Richie, you learn about little him. Little Richie with the accordion. <laughs> That is uh, so cool. Can you still play it? Do you still uh, play it? I'm sure I could. Yeah, I'm sure I probably could. That's a riot. Oh, yeah. my So you goodness. learned that. And you were, I bet you were, because, you, you know, you can, uh, you probably even even were greater because you can, you can really move that thing, I imagine, and make, play all these cool songs, right? Yep, yep. And, and I, I, yeah, it was, it was awesome. The thing that I saw in the, in the church after a while, first, before, before we got here, um, my husband and I were going through a separation. We were, we were getting a divorce. It was, that was when not only were we getting a divorce, I was facing a lot of trouble, a lot of problems. And there was a woman, my pastor's wife, her name is Ruthie. And I remember her saying to me, when me and my husband were going through all this trouble, she said to me, you know, Teresa, we believe in the family. And I thought, good for you. Because I'm very judgmental or I used to mm -hmm. be not anymore. I try not to be. And I remember thinking she was wearing a prairie dress with eyelet ruffles underneath. It was a velvet dress with a little eyelet underneath. And mm -hmm. I thought, you can't help me. She's, because I was looking at that dress and you're kind of wearing a prairie dress. I judged her, very not nice. Mm -hmm. So after that, I remember hitting rock bottom and I had to call her because I remember her saying, we believe in the family. And I'm thinking, I don't know anybody else that does. So I called her and that day I went to the church she met me that day. Hmm. She led me to the Lord. She, for a year, held my hand just like this. She held my hand. When I said, I want to go drink, she said, no, you're not. When I, I can't do this, yes, you can. We're going to read the word of God. I believe in you. I believe in you. She encouraged me. She did so many things to help me walk the walk with God so that it got to the point where, and I remember this day, I can't even explain to you how, but I remember the day that I let go of Ruthie's hand and I held on to God's. And that's what mm -hmm. I've been doing ever since. Cool. So letting go of Ruthie, who, who mentored me for a year. I mean, she really, she was patient. She was so kind and good. And she, for a year, she mentored me till it was time. Like, okay. And just grabbed on to God. God healed our marriage. God not only, mm. once he healed our marriage, which was so, it just, that's another story, another hour. Once he healed our marriage, we got to a point where in the church, we were both in church and he was playing the guitar, I was playing the conga. And I remember thinking, God, we serve everyone in this church. We do everything for everyone, but we don't do anything for anyone outside of the church. What about the homeless that always stuck with me? That little seed, all mm. of a sudden began to sprout. And I went to my past and I said, I really want to help the homeless. And she said, okay, go make a small group. So we made a small group. The small group was called Seeds of Faith because that's what it takes to do anything in this world. Right. So Seeds of Faith. And we've been going ever since. So I put myself under the authority of my pastor because I did not want to do this on my own. And once we started this small group and we started going to the 
homeless shelters. And I remember thinking, why are there children here? Why are there elderly here? Why are there so many people in these shelters? Why are there, uh, it devastated me to think that we have no idea what's out there. It's so hidden. It's just right. so hidden. Homelessness is hidden. The devastation of life, the devastation, the generational curse that is on these women and children and families. And so once we started going to the homeless shelter, then we started going to the children's home and we started going to the nursing homes and we just branched out into everyone that had a need. We were right there. Seeds of Faith. In 2007, Seeds of Faith became a 501c3. Mm -hmm. When we became a 501c3, I was telling someone this the other day, the lawyer that wrote up our bylaws said, are you a church or are you a corporation? God did not call us to be a church. We're a corporation. So Seeds of Faith Incorporated is the umbrella to everything. And this so, still, this started with one small group. One small people group. People that God brought together yeah. with a like-mindedness. Yes. So the group, the group yeah. uh, decided mm -hmm. then to do, do a 501c3. The group decided, so the group was a, called the core group. Mm -hmm. And that group, what we would do is every month we would make a dinner at the homeless shelter and we would feed people. We would just mm -hmm. feed them. And the amazing- Because food is your love language. Yes. <laughs> you know, God uses all that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then at, from there, then I realized, okay, it's a Saturday. This little four-year-old has a bad headache. What's the matter, sweetie? Why does your head hurt? Because I'm hungry. Because sometimes they didn't get food at the shelters on the weekends. And it made me mad. Now here comes my anger. Use God's way. Turned to righteous anger, right? Yes. So it made me mad. And I'm thinking, she's hungry. She's four years old. She shouldn't have to like question, am I going to get fed or not? So I went to my church and I said, can we make lunches on Saturdays? Nobody had the money. Okay, I went to this church. I went to a lot of different people. Nobody had the money. And then I went to the woman that I work for and I, I was cleaning her house at the time. And I said, I, this is what I want to do. And she said, you know what? I don't have the time to do this, Teresa. How much do you need? And I will give it to you. This is when I started realizing, wow, God, you have given me favor in my life. Because what she did for 10 years, she funded the Saturday lunch program wow. every single Saturday. Wow. We were there with healthy lunches, not just used bread. It was fresh bread with turkey, cheese, tomato, lettuce, pickles, and a side package with mayonnaise and mustard and onions if they wanted onions and all that kind of stuff. And then two big cookies and a piece of fruit and a bag of chips mm. and a drink. And they got everything every Saturday. We would hand them their lunches. That turned into, all right, now we're moving into an apartment. There's three families living in there and we're all hungry and we don't have any food, which created the food pantry. Mm -hmm. So it was out of the need, okay, the Saturday lunch program showed us, okay, these are kids that are living, who have five, six families living in one room. It's like, they're all living together and you've got this one's using drugs and this one's drinking and there's no oversight. It just made me so angry. I went to the director and said, I will work here for free. He said, if you work here for free, Teresa, you can't do what you do for these families. Like take them to the hospital when they need it. Take this one to the, there was a woman there. She was like, 70 years old and she had throat cancer we had to take her 
to get all of her teeth removed because nobody would help her. I physically carried this 70-year-old woman after having all of her teeth pulled because they had to give her chemo in her mouth up the stairs to her dirty, disgusting shelter room. It was, and it, it just, and it made me so angry to think that people were living this way. Children were living this way. Children were, you, you have a, a six-year-old that uh, talked to me about, well, I just, you know, I just want to meet the big man upstairs. Well, yeah, I can talk to you about God, but his, his question was really, I just want to, he had already attempted to kill himself twice mm-hmm. because he's in a shelter and these kids were growing up too fast. They weren't even learning to play baseball the basketball they were learning adults so these are the kind of things that really made me mad and i thought god i want to do something and we would go to these meetings after meetings after meetings and i remember the last meeting i went to and said i don't want to go to another meeting i don't want to be a handout anymore mm-hmm. i mean we had developed 30 programs which was awesome i'm so grateful for programs we developed 30 programs we had an official seed to faith food pantry that started in my tiny little basement we didn't have much. I had this tiny little basement. So we got this old freezer, put a bunch of meat in it, and we would hand it out every Saturday. We still have that food pantry today. It's in a 5,000 square foot room donated by Cutter Family Properties for almost 11 years. So mm. all the programs were put in a, in, here in the mills. Then we had a New Beginnings Thrift Boutique because I thought this thrift boutique is going to help us purchase a house. So I went to a foundation and I said, we want to, okay, we, I worked at the shelters and it was for years we working at the shelters, working, we would visit people out in the campgrounds that were homeless. We would visit and give children Christmas presents in the mm-hmm. middle of winter. We would visit families living in cars, mm-hmm. women without food for their children, men degraded. The greatest tragedy of all for us are the children that fall prey to the generational cycle of homelessness and poverty. Yeah. So here we are. Okay, God, I don't want to be hand on anymore, and I don't want to go to any more meetings. We need to do something for this population. I want to do something. I don't want to just give them, you know, here's a, an emergency backpack. Here's a lunch. Here's a princess prom project. I didn't want to do that anymore. And so God sent a project manager in my life. His name was Mike Trojan. And Mike Trojan said, you need to write up a 365 day program of your vision. I believe in you, Teresa Toja. I need you to write up this vision. I'm not a writer. I just talk. And so, (laughs) (laughs) so, okay, you want me to do what? So I wrote it on a page and I took the page and I said, okay, here. And he said, no, that's not 365 days. I need 365 days. God really had to stretch me. That's when I learned, wow, Mm -hmm. I, I always used to say, I, I, I can't, I don't know how. And even though I can envision Lydia's house of hope, I didn't know how to get there. So God always put people in my life to help me to get there because I'm a visionary and I can see it, but I don't know how to get there. Well, and often those are two different gift sets too. Mm -hmm. So you need the body around you. That's why God brings other people in who can do that. Yeah. Amen. And so this project manager really helped me to create the program. We created this program. Now we needed the house because you can help people all you want. 
But when they have to go back to the toxic environment, we had a young boy, he'd come to the thrift boutique, we would feed him, we would give him clothes. And I remember his teacher coming in and saying, we've tried helping him and there's just no use in helping him because he always goes back to, you know, what he knows, drugs and alcohol. And I said, listen, that's because he has to go back to his toxic environment. So no matter how much we help him, he has to go back there, mm -hmm. which is why we needed a house. How are we going to get a house? How are we, this tiny little Seeds of Faith Corporation, going to get a house that had a thrift boutique? We didn't sell a thing, you know. We had this thrift boutique that was beautiful right here in Summersworth. I didn't even know there was a Summersworth. There was this tiny little shop right here in Summersworth. And God put us in there not to raise money because we made nothing. People would come in and we would just give them everything. It's middle of winter, you need a jacket, here you go. God put us there to raise awareness, to not only raise awareness, but to let the community know this is Seeds of Faith. We're taking care of the homeless. There's no homeless here, really. Mm. <laughs> homeless everywhere. They're just invisible. So we had the thrift boutique. We were here. Uh, the thrift boutique was open for five years. And honestly, this house did not appear. It really took tears and prayers for years, just crying before God. We need a place to bring them. We need a place for these women, these children. We need a place for them to go to so that they can have a place. They don't know safety. They don't know security. They needed a house that represented love, that represented hope. Mm -hmm. And you can give it to them, and but it's gone once they go back home yeah. or on the street or in their, wherever this they would are. Be, uh, this would be a great place to, uh, we're at the end of our time, and it's actually at a perfect time because you're building up to, uh, and it's really cool, you know, and we're, we're thrilled of how just uh, you kept asking, well, what about? Mm -hmm. uh, wait a second. Uh, actually, we, uh, Kathy and I have been uh, taping about the covenant. One of the thing is, well, we, we say we don't, he says, depart from evil. We don't, you don't need to put up with this. And you would say, well, wait a minute, mm -hmm. wait a minute. Um, they need this. How are we going to do that? Mm -hmm. Yes, God uh, would answer. And, yes. and then it's going to be, so next time we're going to pick it up with uh, how did God provide that? What does that mean now? What are you doing? And how how has abiding and walking in the spirit given you so much encouragement mm -hmm. of now uh, not only helping them, but you're leading them into the way of, of living God's life for them, Amen. Amen. which is really, really exciting. So uh, thank you for sharing all that. And uh, tune in next week because we, uh, we can't wait to hear how God did this, uh, and all because you had a heart and kept asking, mm -hmm. well, what about? Uh, and so we're what, willing what, to say yes. And, yeah. what, and yes. we're willing to do it yeah. and, and to serve. So that's that's beautiful. So Amen. Kathy, we'll uh, pick it up again uh, next week, and uh, we can't wait to hear, hear the rest of the story. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, Teresa, it is a privilege and an honor to just hear what God has done in and through you, and I can't wait to hear the rest of it next yeah. week. So join us again. Join us tomorrow for End Times Friday. And um, in the next Thursday, be sure to tune back in for part two with Teresa Tozier from Lydia's House of Hope. That's right. Lydia's Thanks House for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We'll see you, see you soon. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See, your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.